Hiya, I'm Tom Walker, and welcome back to Memories That Made Us, where we explore the power of recall and the moments that have shaped us. I've spoken to some of my heroes on this podcast, but today does feel very special because so many of my childhood memories feature this person. I remember waking up every morning and watching her on TV and then listening to her unmistakable voice count down the charts when I was a teenager. Fern Cotton is a consummate professional. She jumps effortlessly from light-hearted banter headfirst into complicated and difficult subjects with a clarity of thought and mental dexterity that is just so impressive to me. She's funny and warm. I love the chat we had and hopefully you will too. Anyway, that's enough from me. Let's hear from the brilliant Fern Cotton. The memories that made us. Fern Cotton, hello. Hello, Tom. How are you doing? I'm really well. Good. We're coming to you from your lovely podcast studio that you've built in your garden yeah. over lockdown. I had to because I was under a duvet for like a year. <laughs> I just thought, I can't do this anymore. So I've got this nice little sort of shed at the end of the garden now. Yeah, and you've decorated it very nicely. For those who can't see, there's nice plants in the corner. The wallpaper is absolutely delightful. F- yeah, fake plant, padded yeah. walls. Air con. That's... Air con, which I've never used. Right, but you've got it. Because I'm always cold. Yeah. So <laughs> I've just, actually, I've got a little bit of heated flooring going oh. on for the winter time. Oh. Wow. So it's all good. I practically live in this room now. And we usually see each other at Top of the Pops. Yeah. But I did actually see you a few weeks ago at an actual festival, festival. with actual people and actual music. And it was awesome. It was so good. It was a big festival, which is always so lovely. Yeah. It's a really good one to take the kids to. So we love going to that as a family. Rex is eight. He'll be nine in the new year. So he's yeah. really getting into his music now. Yeah. So he kind of... He knows what he likes and what he doesn't. He's a massive Blur fan, so meeting Alex James was like... And Alex went, Rex, I think you've got the coolest haircut ever. And Rex was like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, just sort of stood there silently staring at him. So it was just brilliant. Like, it was joyful walking around and seeing people free and just, like, liberated and wearing crazy clothes yeah. and just having a brilliant time. It was so good. How was your set? Did you love it? It was awesome. I had such a great time. I think, like, crowds are, like, 150% more up for everything. So, so I played right. a couple of new tunes and I'm like, either these are the best tunes in the world or people <laughs> are just really excited to actually see music for the first time in a long time. So, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It, yeah. was, it was a wicked day. I was reading this morning that you've worked on over 55 different TV shows over the years, which is, like... I have no clue. This is absolutely I don't remember half of them, which is really tragic. (laughs) Well, that was what I was going to say. How is your memory? My my memory is really strange. And it's something that I think about quite a lot. I've got really amazing memories from being a kid. And some of them are so vivid and colourful. And I can remember them in quite a full sensory way. Like smell, I can smell certain things and the feeling of it and... Like a lot of stuff around the 90s and the 80s, actually. Yeah. But then there's bits of my memory that are so patchy. And I think that's for two reasons. I think one of them was in my 20s, especially, my life was so fast paced. And yeah. I was doing TV shows in the States and TV shows here. So I was constantly on a plane, never had a day off because I was just like, I just wanted to keep working. So yeah. a lot of it is like all mashed in with like, did that happen or was that just a dream? Or like, you know, some of it is so surreal that it <laughs> I can't remember. And then also I had really painful times. And I think your brain is so clever that it learns to just block stuff out. Yeah. And I can't even access parts of my memory because my brain has gone, nope, you don't need to go there. And I worry about that. I think, is that 
like it's a good coping mechanism, but I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Like Is maybe this going to come back to haunt me? Yeah, yeah, like I just need to integrate some of it back in. But I think important stuff, impactful moments, they usually stick around. Yeah. Can I ask you what you would rate your memory on a scale of like one to a hundred? Seventy. Oh, that's pretty good. Do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. I'd give mine like a, a 50 max. Really? Yeah, mine's terrible. Now you're saying that, maybe my husband would go, you're talking utter shit. And it's like 30. <laughs> You've forgotten how bad your memory is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do you wish it was better? I do, because... So my nan, Ruby, lived until she was 94. Yeah. And she had crystal clear memories of... Like dates. You'd go, oh, that was April the 12th, yeah. 1964. What <laughs> yeah, are you... How have you done that? <laughs> how? And my dad's the same. My dad will go, oh, yeah, the weather was great that day. We did this. I'm thinking, I don't know how you've retained that. Yeah. And my brain will retain ridiculous things, like song lyrics I don't need to remember from, like, the 90s. Yeah. Or just, you know, random facts about Hanson or something. But, like, not important integral stuff. Yeah. So it's good in ways and then very patchy in perhaps things I need to know, like, I don't know my national insurance number or... I, Nobody I, does. I can't remember my so mobile long. number a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, it's stuff like that that just goes. So I don't know. Because my brain is constantly going and I'm lucky that I have a very creative job, so I'm constantly, like, thinking up new ideas yeah. and I get a bit obsessed with that. Yeah. So even if I'm, like, just doing the washing up or I'm making breakfast for the kids, my brain is 100% elsewhere. I'm, like, thinking of how I might write a podcast episode or whatever. Yeah. So I, last week... Oh, this is really bad. First of all, I forgot it was Harvest Festival Assembly and I didn't go. And then I forgot, oh, this is really bad. Oh, no. I forgot it was parents' evening. I didn't turn up. Oh, no. Just didn't turn up. Are they doing well anyway? Did you need to? Well, I'll find out tonight because I'm going to <laughs> my own private parents' evening. They've booked especially for me that I cannot Perfect. forget. Perfect. You've, you've so nailed stuff it. Stuff like that that's very like, you would write that down somewhere or whatever. It just... Yeah. goes. It's not yeah, even yeah. on my horizon because I'm in my brain thinking about all this other stuff. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Mm. From working on a song, yeah. I'm, I'll, my missus is like, right, what are we having for dinner? You said you cooked dinner tonight. And I'll be like, okay, I'll be cooking dinner. I'll be sitting there. I feel like I'll just look up at one point and I'll have created dinner somehow. But I won't know how I've done yes. it or how long it took because I'm still thinking about the song or the lyrics or how it could be better or is the snare right or like stupid things like that. Is there anything that always really sparks powerful memories for you? Like, I know you said before, like, smells and tastes and all that kind of thing, but is there anything else that really, really gets yeah. your mind going? Well, I think being a massive music lover, music is just the most evocative yeah. thing ever. Like, you know, you can... And it's really funny because it's a feeling. Like, the other day, I was on a shuffle on my phone and a song by Dodgy came up. What was it? Staying out for the summer. I knew I'd get it. See, this is how my brain works. Yes. It's a bit delayed. <laughs> I'm still warming up. Yeah. Um, dodgy staying out for the summer. And it was a feeling of like, it was the summer holidays. And I was off school. And yeah. it wasn't a specific memory, but it was this feeling of freedom and excitement. And the weather was good. And I actually felt about 14 in that moment. Amazing. And it was so wonderful. So, and it, yeah, music is a huge one for me. Yeah. Well, talking about music, could you cast your mind back to a piece of music that takes you back in time? What is that? And where were you? Okay, this is not even like a big important moment, I don't suppose, but it's the first thing that sprung to mind. And that is being in my mum's little old banger as a kid yeah. and her for the first time on cassette playing me Led Zeppelin. Oh, amazing. And it being just a moment where I was like, oh my God life will never be the same again. Like yeah. that is 
something about that. And I, I wish that I was there. I wish I was in the 70s. Like I just wanted in on it. Yeah. And I don't know how old I was, but I remember it. We were probably coming back from Wembley Market where we went shopping every weekend. And it was just, I can, we were going through Wembley, past the big Ikea. I remember exactly where we were. <laughs> Again, like not an important memory because nothing was really happening. But hearing that song and being in the car, it just brings it back to me. And I've been a, a huge Led Zeppelin fan ever since. They're probably, you know, my number one band looking across my whole life. And, and that was the moment that I, that I got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was the same, actually. My dad took me to see ACDC oh. when I was nine years old. And it was in Paris. And it was my first gig that I'd ever been to. And it was such a magical Your moment. first gig was <laughs> ACDC in Paris. My yeah. first gig was Jason Donovan at Wembley Arena. <laughs> All right? Slightly different then. Slightly, <laughs> slightly different. That is so cool. I know, it was mad. Because him him and uh, my uncle, obviously in Scotland, ACDC were like huge. Back yeah, in yeah, the day, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Because uh, of Bon Scott. And... I can remember that exact day, like jumping over the barriers in the train station because we couldn't figure out how to buy a ticket because everything was in French. And back then, <laughs> you didn't have a phone, you couldn't Google it. There was nobody around to ask. So he just lifted me over the barriers. Your hats off to your dad. That is so. He's cool. a legend, to be fair. That is so cool. I came home once, like when I when I was a kid, I used to come home and I'd, he'd be there drinking a beer, listening to Dead Mouse. <laughs> like the house is shaking, and I'm like, he's not even bothered. It's completely oh, off his radar. Wonderful. You know what I mean? So wonderful. He's a legend. Um, have your music choices changed over the years? I think so. But I think your like comfort place stays familiar. So yeah. as much as I love to imbibe new music and I love hearing, I mean, probably less so now because my world doesn't revolve around it. But at a point, yeah. you know, I would know about a band before they'd even started making music because you'd be tipped off constantly. And it was so exciting. Yeah. And I was constantly working with brilliant people like Hugh at Radio One and, you know, Zane and all these brilliant people who would have all of this inside knowledge and yeah. tip you off constantly. So that was that was beautiful. But I think I always come back to old music. Like we listen to a lot of 70s music in our house, you right. know, either reggae or we listen to a lot of Fleetwood Mac, a lot of Neil Young, a lot of The Stones, just like lovely old 70s music is my yeah. real comfort place. And... It reminds me of just being a kid and my parents playing vinyl and dancing around the front room. And I always feel really safe listening to that sort of music. Yeah. And I think then my sort of comfort zone now with music is still probably of a more sort of gentle nature, whether it's, you know, still rock stuff. Like I love Royal Blood. Like they're one of my favourite newer bands. But Sick. I do love really gentle stuff like Fleet Foxes. And I think because life is so mad, I need something quite chilled at home so I you know sometimes you want to be ramped up but a lot of time I need to be like brought back down to earth 100%. and Fleet Foxes are my other little comfort zone I think have you got a favourite live moment that you remember yeah I know I do I do yeah. have one and it's not even I don't even have to deliberate I mean I've seen yeah. some amazing gigs and there's loads of favourites like seeing Foo Fighters numerous times or like seeing the Beastie Boys at Top of the Pops when I was hosting it like amazing moments yeah. but I mean, this is like one long love letter to Led Zeppelin, but I've got to go to the, to the O2 gig. Yeah. And it's something I never thought I'd get to see because, you know, my auntie had been to like their famous Earl's Court gig back in 76 and would tell me all the stories about it. And I thought, I'll never get to see Led Zeppelin, but it's lovely to hear the stories. Yeah. And then when they did that one-off gig, I was like, I have to be there. And somehow managed to blag a ticket off someone. It took numerous sort of like leads to try and get a ticket, but I got one. And it was just 
perfect. Yeah. And the next day, I had like the post-gig blues, which only happens after a very, very yeah. special gig. Yeah, absolutely. Where I thought... I don't know what to do now. It's like that. I will never yeah. do that again. Yeah, I didn't 100%. know what to do with myself. Yeah, and yeah. I kept sort of just imagining it and reliving it. But it was from start to finish the most perfect gig I've ever been to. Yeah. I felt like that about Foo Fighters. I went to see them at the MEN and oh. I've never seen anything like it in my life. They're phenomenal, aren't they? Yeah, just ridiculous. Like, because I went to see Muse and Muse are absolutely amazing, yeah. but they always do all these technological things. Yeah. Something I'd never seen at a concert before, but honestly, I felt like the show was so good. I wasn't watching the band, but with Foo Fighters, you always like front it's just and them. Fender, and they're just absolutely sending it. And Dave Grohl's energy. And you can tell he's in it for the right reasons. He just likes being in a band. Yeah. And that's it. He didn't give a crap about all the ego-related stuff. He just likes making music. Legend. Ledge. <laughs> um, it's the spontaneity of live events. Being just in the action. Because I know like when I was stuck at home over lockdown, I was I was really missing like being a part of it, being in the gigs. Uh, can you tell me about a moment of pure spontaneity that brings you joy? One of those moments where you're totally just like alive. Oh, yeah, I like that question. More recently, and it might even be a reaction to what we've all been living through. Yeah. But I've been really keen on just getting in the sea oh, and the so first yeah. oh the first time I did it was I mean I had done it before but this was more conscious like I need to get in the sea now yeah it was last Easter and we were down in Dorset which is one of my favorite places in the world and I was with my mate Ella and I was it was fucking freezing it was so cold <laughs> and I was like We've got, we've got to get in. And there were locals in. There were like five locals in, really yeah. calmly swimming. I think, it's not that bad. They're in there having a nice little swim. <laughs> we'll be fine. <laughs> the first day we got in, we were like these hyperventilating idiots from London, just like sticking out like a sore thumb. But it felt so good. And then every day we were down there that week, we made ourselves get in. But that first time was purely spontaneous. Like, we've just got to get our clothes off and get in there right now. I don't care. There's hardly anyone on the beach. We've got to get in the sea. Yeah. And I feel so alive when I'm in the sea. So whenever we're down there now, I'm just in. Even if it is raining, even if it is freezing, I am in. And it feels like the most spontaneous, almost rebellious act because it's cold. You shouldn't be doing it. It's a bit weird. We're all used to wearing loads of clothes and being cosy. And it just feels like, yeah, I've got agency over my own life. I'm going in. I'm doing it. Yeah. Love it. I've got into that with my mates, actually, cold Heaven. water swimming. And Heaven. it's... Uh, it definitely does something amazing for you, doesn't it? It's, yeah. it's it's a kind of free rush, isn't it? It is, it is. And it, and your body's kind of having to react on a real sort of animalistic level yeah. to keep you alive. Yeah, so it's yeah. just, it must be, and you know, Wim Hof has got many theories about all the brilliant stuff it's doing on a more yeah. maybe sort of scientific, physiological level, but just on purely feeling good, I don't think anything beats it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I started doing Wim Hof over lockdown. I'd never done it before and a friend had got me onto it and I was kind of a little sceptical at first because I was like, how's breathing in cold water like going <laughs> to sort my head out? Yeah. But, oh my God. I know. I can't believe how good it is. So first good. time I did Wim Hof, I nearly fell off my sofa. <laughs> I had a full out-of-body experience <laughs> and nearly stacked it. Yeah, it was mad. It was mad. Um, we've both been all over the world and, you know, that's one thing through COVID that I really miss because... There's something about being in new places and that lends itself to creating these really powerful memories that never really leave people. Have you got like a moment like that where you're like, I cannot believe I'm here witnessing this right now? Yeah, I reckon I've been lucky enough to have quite a few like very cool ones of those yeah. actually. And so many memories are 
instantly flooding my head. And one is really simple, like nothing major was happening. But, you know, like if you look back on your life, if you're lucky, I guess, you might have had one or two moments that felt euphoric and yeah. not for any particular reason, but there was just like a sense of connection and like a, a sort of a oneness and maybe even an understanding of like the point of all of it without yeah. you having to articulate it or fathom it. And I was in Mexico with one of my really good friends, Laura, and she had been working in a nightclub. She was doing these horrible hours, like finishing work at 6am. She was absolutely exhausted. Yeah. I had just come out of a broken relationship and engagement and I was feeling like all over the shop. And we were like, let's just go away. So we went to Mexico and there was one moment where, because we'd had loads of beautiful moments, like been in the turquoise sea, like all this sort of stuff, seeing yeah. butterflies flying around and giant crabs and all sorts. But there was this one moment where she was having a shower in our little like hot thing we were staying in. And I was sat just outside on the little patio and I was drinking a bottle of beer and I was on my own. And I think I might have even had Fleet Foxes playing in the background. Yeah. Or I might have been Bedouin Sound Clash. I was going for a little Bedouin Sound Clash phase playing that. And it was sunny. And there were birds flying above. And I could just hear the sea in the distance. And there was there was nothing else. There was mm. nothing, you know, apart from the beauty that I was seeing. But there was nothing like, it wasn't like a giant waterfall or some amazing sort of wild horse running down the beach. I was just sat there with a beer. But I was just like grinning my head off and I just felt yeah euphoric like completely euphoric and it felt like a bit of a pivotal moment where I came back from that holiday and I just sort of reset and started again so it was yeah. sort of a nothingy moment but pivotal nonetheless yeah but then I've had you know I've had fancier ones where it's been like oh my god I'm in LA I like there was this one point where I was in LA and I was breastfeeding my son by the pool and yeah. then we were like next minute hanging out with Slash from Guns N' Roses. And I was like, well, what is going on? Why am I, what is this? This is not normal. There's been some very weird out-of-body moments like that that yeah. I will try and snapshot and then retell Rex when he's older and he'll hopefully like that. I think Slash is definitely, uh, yeah. He's up there. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think our brains are actually hardwired to only keep the essentials, especially when you're exposed to new people, new situations so frequently. And I'm wondering if there are portions of your early life that you actually wish you could remember more of. Yeah, I think certainly I wish that I could bring back all of that sort of rush of excitement in mm. that early bit of my career. Yeah. Because, you know, I come from a, I was from a working class family. I lived in the suburbs. Yeah. I didn't have any exposure to any of this, like this sort of world or broadcasting or music or gigs. You know, my, luckily, my dad, until very recently, was a sign writer his whole life. So he did all the signs at Wembley Stadium and no Arena. Way. That's amazing. So we occasionally would get tickets to Jason Donovan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> At Wembley. So we would go to the odd gig because he would get little backhanders from the people at Wembley. Yeah. But I wasn't in the music scene. I wasn't like going to like cool gigs. I was going to like big gigs at Wembley that were, you know, your Jason Donovans and your Janet Jacksons. And I think, you know, going from that sort of very normal but happy, nice sort of life, but very regular, like walking to school, mum had four jobs, let myself in, yeah. get myself a snack. To then literally the next day I was like on a TV set doing a kids TV show. Yeah. I felt like I had just stepped into the telly. I couldn't be like, I remember walking into the green room at Disney Club and I was like 15 and there's all these bags of sweets. And I was like, 
mate, can I have a bag of Maltesers? They're like, you can eat whatever you want. It's all for free. <laughs> oh, my God, it's for free. Like, I literally couldn't believe, like, everything was so exciting. And I wish I could harness that feeling. I can remember the visual and I can even probably smells of the studio I could probably bring back. But I wish I could really feel that excitement because it just was, like, literally a dream come true. Like, yeah. a total... And I, and nothing's ever as exciting as that ever yeah, again. Yeah, it's sad to say, like, I'm yeah. sure it's the same for your first ever big gig. Or you're, yeah. you know, releasing your album. Like, I, you're like, sorry to say, Tom, your second album won't feel as good. Like, nothing yeah. ever does. It's yeah, yeah, because yeah. there's the, the novelty element's gone. Sure. And, and the sort of, like, the moment you're so in awe of everything dissipates. So I wish I could, yeah, feel that excitement again. You seem like the type of person to me reading about your career that when you get to a point where you you're struggling to feel the excitement you just change yeah. everything and you start yeah. something new because i am so bad at change i hate change i'm not good <laughs> at it i really like just keeping things familiar and similar <laughs> but it, which is hard to do in this job do you know yeah. what I mean? there's a lot of change going on all the time would would you advise people to get out of their comfort zones i think so i think so i mean i am inherently a risk taker yeah and i do it sometimes without much thought because yeah. the feeling is so strong and the voice in my head just keeps getting louder. I could put it off for six months, yeah. but it gets to a point where the voice is so loud that I will, in a spontaneous snap moment, have made the phone call and I've quit a job or I've yeah. left something or and I've done it and there's no getting away. And I think if you've got that inner voice, like it's not for everyone today to go, I'm going to change everything. Yeah. If you have got that inner voice. Yeah, that's been nagging you to do something I different. I promise you it will never go. Yeah. It will not go. Yeah. It will get louder. You can keep suppressing it, but I just cannot get into any level of things feeling a bit mundane yeah. or like I'm in a bit of a routine. I feel, I get very low in those times. Yeah. I need to be challenged. I want to be challenged. I like being scared to an extent. I want to feel like I'm learning for mm. sure. Mm. And it's, you know what? I, I think it's good to put a disclaimer out that it's harder to do that today because we've got this horrible culture where there's so little room for error. Yeah, Everything's got to be bang on, perfect, successful straight away. That's not the natural order of things. It's not realistic. It's not realistic. Yeah. Like I have messed up so many times and some of them will have been on live TV you know you will have seen me stumble over a word or mess something up or not know what I'm talking about and you know fine we all do it we do that in conversation every day yeah. let's not judge other people because all we're doing there is judging ourselves and stopping ourselves from trying something so I have got a bit of an inbuilt you're jumping you're just going to free fall for a bit see where it, like when I left Radio 1 you know at this point I had a kid I was pregnant I had two stepkids and my husband was between bands and I had no like other thing to go to. It's not like my parents are going to bail out like someone in their mid thirties. Yeah. I was like, yeah. and they couldn't anyway, you know, I had to find a way and I had nothing planned at all. Yeah. I still knew I had to jump even though there wasn't a thing there. And I think yeah. sometimes it's not always easy and it's not always possible for everybody. But if you think there's even a tiny little space to try something new and there's a possibility it might be all right yeah i would say jump take the leap do it um do you find that your memories are always a source of joy for you or have they sometimes gotten in the way of things that you're trying to achieve in your massively. life massively yeah massively like you know i still deal with panic attacks today and yeah. i don't think i would have them if i was purely in the present you know if you can really 
train yourself to be in the moment, that's probably your way out of having panic attacks. Yeah. I haven't been able to do that. I understand yeah. it intellectually. I know how to do it when I'm in a calm environment. Mm. But if I don't feel safe or there's something that's triggered me to have a panic attack, I lose the plot. So I can't stop but react on a very physical level yeah. to the past because that's the only thing that's caused them is certain situations in my life where I haven't felt safe or things have gone into sort of bad territory where I haven't felt good. It's a bit of a physical warning sign. So memories have... I've done a lot of therapy on a lot of this sort of stuff because I've had memories that have hugely blocked me and mainly actually... I mean, I'm much further down the line now, but, you know, throughout most of my... Early 30s, certainly, and a bit of my later 30s, I was so plagued by self-loathing at points. Yeah. It was so strong, so potent, and I believed all of it. You know, there's it's one thing to have it, but I really believed it. There was something, like, fundamentally wrong with me or that I was a bad person or whatever due to things in the past. And I've done some amazing therapy, EMDR therapy and all sorts of other stuff, just, like, general talking therapy to try and make peace with a lot of the stuff that I haven't been happy about. And it's oh. been game-changing. And, it, you know, I wish that everybody had access to therapy like that. You yeah. know, it's so... It can be so game-changing. It's not the only route. Not everybody needs it. Mm. But for me, because of certain things that I went through, I had to have a very specific thing to help me move through it. And I still am. You know, I still have panic attacks, so I still have to kind of... And it's getting better, but I still have to watch my like if I put myself in a situation where I know I'm not going to feel safe. Yeah. So I think it, you know, it it's really interesting doing a podcast of this nature because often we do think, oh, memories synonymous with like wonderful times and goodness, but also for a lot of people out there, myself included, it can just debilitate you. Yeah. You know, at times it can stop you in your tracks and. I think it's good to have that conversation so that other people like me don't feel like, oh, my God, I don't just have good memories. I've got all these bloody awful ones. And then you feel alone and ostracized or whatever. So I think it's really important to talk about the times that were tougher. And what I'm trying to do now is integrate some of those back into my memory and back into my head. So I go, yeah, OK, this happened. That happened. That was not a great period of my life, but it happened and it's fine. You know, yeah. I don't have to sit there judging myself on it. So I'm it's I'm getting to a point in my life and an age now where I'm willing to bring that stuff back in and try and make peace of it. Not easy, but yeah. I'm I'm willing to give it a go. Yeah. Especially with the podcast, I'm I learn something every week. So yeah. I'm talking to all these amazing people, whether they are experts or whether they are just um storytellers, essentially, people that have got a great life experience to share. Yeah. We connect over pain. I think we often think that pain's gonna make us separate from other people it's gonna create a divide like oh my pain is so awful that no one will ever understand me or it makes me flawed or something but it's the biggest way to connect so I'll listen to someone's story I might share my own and then I go away and think god maybe it wasn't so bad that this thing happened or actually god that makes so much sense as to why I am like I am yeah. so I've been able to sort of almost excavate my own life with much more knowledge which is you know a gift. Yeah, 100%. Do you think nostalgia can be dangerous in a way? Again, it's such an interesting subject because I interviewed recently Mike Viking, who wrote all those beautiful books, Huger and Luger and the Art of Making Memories. Yeah. And he says that we can use nostalgia if we use it with agency to make us feel really good. If we're struggling in the moment, it's a wonderful thing to cast your mind back to 
a brilliant time to remember that it's possible and to bring those feelings, bring in the dopamine, all of that stuff. That's a really lovely tool. Yeah. So I think it can be one or the other. You know, we possibly got more agency over the good bit, like grabbing nostalgia with both hands and like loving the past. But the the, the darker side of it where, where it's, you know, based more on the torture of times in the past, that's that's really tricky and, you know, so, you have to find a way to get through it that works for you. Is there a messy memory you shielded away from in your early life that you're actually super proud of now? Oh, yes. I mean, like my whole career from the age of 15 to 24, like yeah. what I was wearing, how I presented TV shows. Like I tried to actively run away from that person yeah. for years by like trying to be smarter, trying to read more learn more I didn't want to be the little like goofy kid who ended up being on TV like wearing bunches and wearing brightly colored corduroy trousers I tried to run from her and now I don't know if it's like crossing the threshold of being 40 or just I don't know the amount of therapy I've done on it I now think Oh my god! Like, well done, little fern, for yeah, doing that. Like, you smashed it. Yeah, well done <laughs> yeah. for putting yourself out there naively and like yeah. not. And luckily, there was no social media. I didn't know what people thought of me. Yeah. But I put myself out there because I was just loving it all, and I yeah. just thought it was so fun. And if anything, I need to be more like her. Yeah. So I don't try and run from her at all now. I actively go, well done for like. Yes, I got really lucky getting that first job, but then I knuckled down and I worked so hard whilst I was doing my GCSEs and my 1A level. But I really, like, yeah, I didn't go to any social things. I didn't go to my end of school ball. I, you know, missed out on a lot of stuff yeah. because I just knew I wanted to not get kicked back out of the, like, showbiz door. So I clung yeah. on and stayed stayed in there. Yeah, 100%. So I'm proud of that version of me. But for years, I hated her. I hated yeah. her so much. And now I just think... Oh, that's like good. Well done. It's great. Keep going. You know, yeah. like I want yeah, to champion yeah, yeah. her. Yeah. Oh, that's class. I like it. Yeah. I like it. How important is making new memories to you? Have you got like a bucket list of things that you're like, I need to get this done? It's really important now I've got kids because sometimes I get really bogged down with, oh my God, honey hasn't eaten. She's really fussy. What am I going to do? Rex is refusing to do his homework. And I'm so in the like logistical, cyclical nightmare of. Yeah the practicalities of being a parent that I forget to go, let's just dick around and like play in the garden and yeah. like be silly. Like my husband's brilliant at that. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm much better at like the lunch boxes are packed. They've got the right uniform. I'm yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Jesse's like, let's just be wild and like jump around yeah, and yeah. do a silly game. And <laughs> I need to get better at doing that. So we have this year, I think maybe probably a reaction to what we've just all lived through and are still living through, is like we just try and keep like getting to the sea, like going to the beach. Rex has started paddle boarding, which has been so cool, like Amazing. watching him try something new. Yeah. And those moments, as sort of simple as they've been, just like being at the beach in, you know, not great weather, yeah. have been things I think the kids will really remember. And, you know, like finding weird crabs and picking out sea snails. And like that's been really lovely. But I do have to like make myself go... Nope, let's do some really nice memory making today and, yeah. and swerve off of my path of trying to keep everything in control and doing it all right. Because sure. that's so boring. Yeah, yeah. That's so boring. <laughs> uh, me and my cousin had this weird memory the other day. We were like, did this actually happen? <laughs> this is such a 90s thing where like there were no rules about yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. My nan 
would bring over one of those dairy milks that was like this big, like a huge... Absolutely like, massive, Oh, you could only get them at Christmas. Only get them at yeah. Christmas. And she'd bring that round and she'd go, right, kids, we're doing the knife and fork game. This was like a weird tradition. I don't know where it started. Yeah. We'd given a knife and fork. She would say go. Yeah, yeah. And all five of us would eat as much as we could of it with a knife and fork in one sitting. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. What is that? I would never let my kids do that. <laughs> Like, that is insane. And we would love it. And you know, stuffing it all in. Like, it, like that was a Christmas game. Yeah. That was a Christmas game in the Cotton household. <laughs> it was my fiancé who brought that back into my life. And I was the same as you. I was like, is this a real thing? Yeah. We had a party once and Sheely's obsessed with board games and games and trying to get everybody together and have competitions. <laughs> and we did who could eat, like, a certain amount of chocolate Ooh. the quickest just with a knife and fork. And it had to be with the knife and fork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridiculously hard. So hard. And also, like, Nan, why are you encouraging us to eat that before we've had our Christmas dinner? Yeah. We don't really like that much anyway. Like, what is going on here? It's, yeah. um, it was a strange 90s Christmas. But yeah, we fulfilled every cliche and loved every minute. Have you got fond memories of Christmas growing up with your family? Oh, massively. Yeah. You know, it was certainly nothing extravagant or fancy, but it sure. was just so lovely. Like, we would always go to my cousins, the other side of the Cotton family, We'd go to theirs, and I've got my cousins, Jess, Ben and Katie, and we would just, and my brother Jamie, we would all just mess around all day, having so much fun. I saw my mum yesterday, and uh, she's so excited. She's I so am. buzzing. Like, I she am. starts playing Christmas music in October, so. Yeah. No, I'm really excited about Christmas this year, because we'll know that everybody who likes Christmas is out there doing their thing and I yeah. think that collective energy of oh everybody's really making the most of it this year like yeah. that's going to feel extra special we do the same sort of thing every year you know we have over various family members sometimes a few waifs and strays will end up coming to the house as well yeah. Yeah. but I'm glad like my kids are six and eight and it's really magical at that age because they start ripping open presents and not even looking at the present and throwing it and then grabbing the next one and it's just chaos Yeah, they're just in the whole amazing, yeah, the magic of it, and it, and we, I just get dragged back into like me being a kid again, yeah, and it just yeah. makes it so fun. So yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna do our best to have a jolly good time. Is there a tradition from your family uh, that you're passing on to your kids today that you used to do with your mom and dad? Um, to be fair, my parents worked so hard when I was a kid. Yeah, that you know they would always you know, make sure we'd have like a really nice holiday in the summer, we'd go to South of France camping or Isle of Wight, like amazing memories. My parents are quite, um, I don't think they'd even mind me saying this, they're quite cynical about stuff. Right. I think they'd be cynical about traditions. Right, okay, yeah. I think they'd think, piss off, traditions. What's the point? Yeah, I'm not doing traditions, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, I like, know what they're you mean. Quite, they're quite cynical about things and they're very dry and very funny, very right. funny people. And I think they would see traditions as kitsch and annoying yeah I think they won't Fair mind enough. me saying that I think they'd go yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> I think you know one thing that sticks out with my family and this goes for like my whole family like both sides my dad's side of the family and my mum's side yeah is it such a tradition to always bring something when you go round to your auntie's house sure. or you go, like yeah. my aunties like they bombard me like they'll never come about like a pot plant or something and I'm like it's not, you don't need to bring a thing. You're yeah. just coming for tea. Yeah. Just come over. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes it's quite a working class thing to be like, no, no, you have every, have it all. I'll pay for lunch. I'll pay for everything. You know, you kind of like make this point to be like the giver. Yeah. And it's really lovely quality that I've been lucky enough to, to grow up in that environment. Yeah. But like that's been something that I really, really try and instill on my kids now is 
give your friends one of your old toys you don't want as just like a nice little gesture or write yeah. a little thank you card. Like my my family are all very big on like thank you letters and thank you cards. And oh. that's been a real thing for me because we sort of lose that in the modern world. Like the, the sort of ritual of giving something, mm. like whether it is going to their house or I'll always get, you know, if someone's had my kids for tea, get them a little bunch of flowers or something. And I definitely want my kids to take that on. Is there, is there a small moment that you'll cherish forever because people always talk about these huge big yeah. things in their life and these pinnacle moments but is there just like a small moment that you'll cherish forever yeah I think there are many I think they can just be in like your everyday like I have yeah. really amazing moments just for me out walking in our local park I can be listening to some music and there could just be this like one shard of light that shines through like a beautiful old oak tree and yeah. you go oh there it, there it is that's the moment that's it yeah and it has no specific meaning and it's, you know, not impactful on any real sort of way. Certainly not in a sort of seismic way. Yeah. But it feels really important. And I I try and do that whenever I can. You know, yesterday I was in, I was like working all day and I didn't get outside. So today I'm going to try and find my little moment on a walk. But I think, yeah, I, I, I try and look, I think you have to look for those moments. I don't sure, think they yeah, just arrive. Absolutely. I think you have to get out of your own way and like get out of your ego and just be willing to go, oh God, that is quite amazing that there's just like all those flowers there or, oh, that's quite amazing that those birds are out or whatever it is, you know, really like get in the moment that you're in. Yeah. So I, I actively try and seek those ones out. Yeah. And do you find that your memories are, are more concentrated now that kind of, I don't know, you, you were going around the world doing so much stuff before and obviously it's a little bit more centred on your family and yeah. being at home and doing your own thing. Do you appreciate the memories now and are they are they a little more concentrated? Yeah, because I kind of know that I won't ever go back to how wild it was in my 20s. Yeah. You know, I'd like to, to still keep doing the work that I'm doing and to keep it growing. Yeah. But, you know, like I did some very cool, crazy things back in the day. Like I would do radio and then fly straight to the States and then go and like film with Paris Hilton for the weekend and go clubbing yeah. with her and then fly straight back and do another show and yeah. then fly out another time and, you know, go filming in New Mexico on a big ranch somewhere. Like it was just so weird and amazing and wild. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't take it for granted, but it was kind of normal to be mm. in those situations. Yeah. So I really fondly look back on those times now and yeah. I actively enjoy just like sometimes when I'm going to sleep, I'll like pluck one of those random memories out of my head and like relive it again. Like the first time I did a big show in the States, like it was so exciting and it's so nice to think back about all the little moments that led up led up to it. And yeah, I, I, I do. They, they are quite vivid, those memories, because I, I think it's like practice. You just keep recalling them a lot and they become, maybe they become exaggerated almost. But yeah. but I do like to look back on those sorts of wild times and think, God, you know, especially if I'm like late on the school run, I've forgotten to bloody pack the right sports kit or whatever. I go, <laughs> you know, on occasions I did some cool stuff. You know, I was out clubbing with Paris Hilton one time or I yeah, was yeah. interviewing Eminem yeah. one time and he was rapping in my face, you know. I don't have to just be the school mum that forgets all the stuff. Like, yeah. I also am that person who did all that cool stuff. So yeah. it is nice to bring back those memories to, like, yeah, yeah. maybe even just boost my own ego every now and again. Yeah. But to certainly remember that life can be 
really diverse and fruitful if you're yeah. open to it. I think that's beautiful, though. It's good to appreciate every aspect of yeah. life and all the new moments. Do you know what I mean? Because if everything stayed the same for ever, forever, it'd be boring. Yeah, you know and mean? it's really important to, if you can, like this is, again, so, not easy, but I am working towards being grateful for the awful, awful memories. Mm. And, you know, that that can sound abstract. Like, well, why would you, why would you want to do that? But I wouldn't be doing anything any of this happy place stuff today if mm. I hadn't had like been in a pit of despair yeah so I have to have a level of gratitude having hit rock bottom yeah to be now in the space where I like talking about this stuff and I like meeting people like heart to heart or in a place mm. of pain yeah because I get it so I've got to be grateful even though sometimes I think I don't want to be I don't want to be grateful I don't I wish that hadn't happened you know I'm yeah. trying to cultivate gratitude for that stuff too. So I think it's important to tr work towards, it might not be there, but work towards being grateful for all of it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think I think the people I've met in life who've gone through the most pain help the most people because they understand how to do it. And also, for me, I just want to find connection from that. Yeah. Because you can feel so alienated and so... Um, yeah, just alone or like whatever else comes with it. Shame, guilt, all that stuff. Yeah. I think you you look actively to have connection with other people that are willing to talk about that stuff. So you go, oh, there, there is actually this amazing community of people. that, yeah. And there'll be communities within the community of people that have dealt with grief, people that have dealt with trauma or panic or abuse or whatever it is. And, and, and you, you know, you find your people and you yeah. talk and you or, or you find lots of people from diverse life experiences and you listen like sure. that's amazing as well so yeah. it's constantly exciting the memories that made us we've got a little lucky dip uh we've chosen the question out of it already <laughs> normally we put all the questions in a bowl but uh, i might have forgotten that this morning <laughs> but we Your had, memory is shit it is terrible it's awful uh but we had in the mix uh the moment that you met your hero can you tell us about that Oh yeah, I, I've had um, I've had two moments that were out of body experience. Uh, obviously, both members of Led Zeppelin. So the yeah. first time I met a Led Zeppelin <laughs> member was my friend said, "Right, I'm going to Scarlet Page's photography exhibition. Do you want to come?" Yeah. And Scarlet is Jimmy Page's daughter, so I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, I'd love to see her pictures." Blah blah. And I obviously love her dad, so it'd be extraordinary to meet her. So met Scarlet, who I've met many a time now, and she's amazing. Her her photography was brilliant. And then halfway through the night, my friend Sarah went, Jimmy's just turned up. I was like, I'm like I don't know what to do. Like, I literally thought, I can't, I can't, I can't meet, yeah. I can't meet him. Come and say hi. No, no. And I was so, and normally I'm quite up for going to say hello to people, but I just thought, I can't. Like, this breaks the myth. Yeah. He's not a real person. Yeah, He's just yeah. a mythical musician god. Like, yeah. I can't meet him. And I have got a picture of me. It's so mortifying. I'm doing like this annoying, massive, sort of yay yeah. face yeah, yeah. while stood next to him. And he's just doing a normal <laughs> smile, like a normal human. <laughs> yeah. And you can just sense my excitement coming out of this picture. I like I literally couldn't believe it. I was in total, total awe. And then a little bit down the line, I went to a playback of one of Robert Plant's solo albums. And I thought, again, I'll just listen to the album. He'll do a talk and I'll see him from a distance. I can cope with that. But then I got yeah. summoned to his room and I was like, I can't have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. What am I going <laughs> to say to him? And I don't think I did speak much. I just went, hello, like your album. And just sort of stood there. Like I lost all my personality. And 
you know, <laughs> but both lived up to their hero status of, yeah. you know, they weren't disappointing. It was amazing. Oh, good, good. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. Well, you've been such an amazing guest. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. And hearing all about your life has just been absolutely amazing. Oh, thank you. Before we step away from your memory place, before we do... I've got three final quick fire questions for you. Okay. If that's all right. Yeah, so yeah, just yeah. A, f- a couple of questions. Answer them as quick as you can. Bish, bash, bash. Um, three items to sum up your life are going in a memory box. What are they? I'm not being quick. I'm so sorry. But this is so hard. <laughs> this is so hard. Um, a microphone. Yeah. A bed. Because I lo- like be- getting into bed. It's not quick, but getting into bed at the end of the day. Yeah. I go, oh, thank God, I did another day and I can read my book now. Like, it is yeah. my moment in the day where I go, I'm all right. I did it. Yeah. I survived. Just yeah. survived another day. <laughs> so a microphone, a telly in a bed. I like it. You can do karaoke in bed. No problem. I can't sing, but I can talk. <laughs> I just talk shit whilst in bed. Um, the piece of advice that stuck, who gave it to you and what did they say? So, I think most of us like to ask people who we admire Oh my God, you know, like, how do you, how do you do it? Or how have you become like this amazing singer, Tom? And how do you do it? And how do you cope? And that life is so busy. And how do you cope? And I've always asked people that, like, how do you do it? I can, I feel like I'm never coping. Yeah. And I had a bit of advice recently from a lady called Katie Brindle, who's an expert in Chinese medicine. And she said to me, do you want to be the best at what you do? And I said, yeah, I want a happy place to be the best it can possibly be. Yeah. She went, are you willing to have challenges and to suffer? I went, yeah. She went, there you go. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't look for the, there's no coping strategy or there's no easy way. This is going to be hard. It's not, not, nothing that you really, really want to happen is easy. And that changed my mindset overnight. I've got to stop looking for the, oh my God, what's the way out? How do I make this easier? What's the secret? It's hard. Yeah. You want to be the best at something or you want to do well. Yeah. It's going to be hard. Yeah, work hard. Yeah, work hard. Just work hard and stop moaning. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the mantra. Um, the one memory you'd keep if you'd forgotten everything else. This is without marriage and babies. So yeah. just trying to yeah, bypass yeah, yeah. those memories. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it would be, I was in my mum and dad's front room. I was 15 years old and I was watching the announcement of who would be the new Disney Club presenter going out live on ITV. Yeah. And they said my name. And I just thought, my life has changed and this is it. And I literally could have cartwheeled down the street. I was so... I just was like, why? how is it me? Like, I'm just this, like, person who's in in our little house. Like, how, how can it be me? Yeah. That was, like, such a pure, lovely memory that... Yeah, I would take that one with me. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the Memories That Made Us. I really appreciate it. You've been such a lovely guest, and thanks for taking the time, and thanks for having us at your lovely house. Oh, thank you, Tom Walker. It's been a pleasure. Can you hear Jesse's bass? That's loud. I cannot talk. He wants to be in here, I'm, and I'm like, no, you're in there today. I'm, in the const- I'm constantly bashing out the loudest speaker <laughs> volume of a house ever, which is why I've had to soundproof my own studio. Uh. So, yeah. Memories That Made Us.